0: We got a dry run here in Canada of what can happen when a government decides to cut people off financially. And you don't think of Canada as being as draconian as it got. People couldn't pay their mortgages, things like that. It was just like they were cut off. A lot of people had their first interaction with Bitcoin be, oh, wow, this is the only digital payment mechanism that actually worked.
1: This is the Blue Collar Bitcoin Podcast, a show where average Joe firefighters explore the most important monetary technology of the 21st century. We talk Bitcoin, we talk finance, and we talk shit.
2: Today we are joined by the one, the only, BTC Sessions, also known as Ben. He is an incredible resource for learning about how to actually use Bitcoin with a myriad of software and hardware devices available. He has the best YouTube tutorials available to explain not only how to use these devices, but why you should use them. We talk about UTXOs and multi-sig setups. We talk about butthole pucker moments, wearing Bitcoin underwear, and soaking naked in a bathtub while watching Session's YouTube videos. Ben's got a couple of big events coming up in the near future. He is kicking off the Bitcoin circular economy with the Saturday Sat Market in Calgary at the White Diamond Conference Center. That will be happening on December 16th. Also, don't miss the BTC Sessions Christmas special. Going down live on December 22nd, Dan and I will be on a panel joined by the infamous Dom Bay. Don't worry, we will rein him in and keep him from making any inappropriate dog jokes. There are five hours of panels and guests lined up, don't miss it. If you have had a butthole pucker moment in your Bitcoin journey, then you understand the value of a cold card. I know that no matter what happens, if my computer fails or is compromised, the cold card is sound. The cold card is designed ultimately for one purpose, to protect your Bitcoin come what may if you value your bitcoin and would prefer to exercise your pelvic wall on your own terms own a cold card use code bcb for five percent
1: off btc sessions aka ben the legend uh joining us from the great white north josh calgary Mm. canada how much snow uh, do you have
2: there now
0: like two feet by now what is it literally it is there's not a speck of snow on my lawn right now really yeah, it's weird. It Although it did snow a few days before Halloween because Calgary likes to slap you in the face. Yeah, we got that too here. Times in the year. Yeah, yeah.
1: It's for gnarly sure. here. Not that we're going to tell yep. weather a horrible intro topic for a podcast, but it is. Just, <laughs> it's like in the 30s and raining this morning. And uh, I'll tell you, I got off shift in rush shape. I got a level with you guys. Enter my headspace long, long night last night at work, Josh. Uh, Mm. Fire alarms, ambulance calls galore and left the fire station at 815. Knew I needed to do everything in my power to boot and rally for one of our favorite guests on the show. (laughs) So I have emptied the tank. The magazine is empty. Here is what I have done to get myself mentally and physically prepared for this chat. I have a venti Christmas blend Starbucks. Mm. Starbucks sessions got it right there. I am wearing my favorite slippers. Okay, I've had these for years. They're my favorites. I am wearing, and I before I say this, I am comfortable in my masculinity. But this is going to be shocking for people that have envisioned Josh and I only wearing turnout gear, slinging axes. I have on teal Lululemon. That's what they all envision us. I repeat teal lululemon joggers i am wearing panties for bitcoin Wait, stand, ma- up. Ma- stand up and Weird. spin around really male yeah, panties and there's no I there's am, no I'm legit wearing panties for bitcoin right now. and there's no <laughs> professional or monetary affiliation this is all coming from the heart here they are for the four women watching on youtube panties <laughs> for bitcoin right here are you nuts just super comfortable they are mine- they are cozy and then the hoodie for those on Wait. youtube how
2: many days in a row can you get away with wearing those, you think? I did two in a row. That's kind of sketchy, I think. But yeah. they're no, comfortable.
1: I I go to two quite often. As long as you as long as you wipe well, you're good, you know? You're good. <laughs> oh go well. Get some the, uh, dude wipes. And then the hoodie, guys. I'm wearing the panties for Bitcoin hoodie. I just basically my point there was I could not be more comfortable. Mm, I yeah. could not be more prepared, despite the deck being stacked against me. Couldn't be more excited to uh to have this discussion with you two. I'm excited that you started out this way because I want to describe
2: a really quick my morning so far. I slept great last night. Didn't work.
1: You got <laughs> up.
2: My wife and I set out the elf on the, we do the elf on the shelf thing for our kids. So it was a yeah. big, exciting morning. The elves showed up. They were in the Christmas tree, shuffled the kids off to school with my wife. And then I drew myself a super hot bath, which I don't do ever. And that's very feminine, but okay. I lit candles. I took a really hot bath and I set Wait, my eyes. I lit a candle. Up. I did. No, no, I did. That's bullshit. But, okay. I did set up my iPad to watch your latest video lowering your Bitcoin fees. That's what they're I, calling porn so these days, I, huh? Vulnerable and naked I mean, in my tub. Watching I don't know sessions. How I am with this. <laughs> I'll, take it. I'll take it. Wait, also, is that? Tell us about your morning.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what? We did the Elf on the Shelf too, but now I feel bad about it because American Hoddle tweeted out, and he was like, "Elf on the Shelf is a government psyop to get kids to the use to the idea of the nanny state." Watching.
1: Yeah,
2: we're getting them used to the Panopticon now. Like yeah. the elf on the shelf is here now, but the tax the tax man and the federal government's right. over your shoulder later. Yeah. Like think of think of the
0: analogy there. There's somebody watching everything you do, and you do something outside of their rule set, they'll stop oh, yeah. giving you handouts. It's yeah. the perfect analogy for the government.
1: Bitcoiners should just fuck their kids up and ruin the whole Santa for yeah. the whole classroom and Santa teach their kids exist. to rebel. It's a
0: bullshit. It, we should we should all make it so that the elves continue demand to demand more and more of the kids until <laughs> they're like pocket. And then the elf yanks all of the presents. <laughs>
1: it's brilliant. That's a business idea right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's it's a, a libertarian elf on the shelf. <laughs> so I think
2: uh, yeah the Bitcoiners version of this is just the Grinch elf. We need Grinch elves is what yeah. we need to bring yeah. reality back to these yeah. children. And and then
0: they could have like velcro on like faces of the current politicians
1: man this could have serious legs hey don't don't discount it
2: yeah don't don't give that away for free copyright so we were talking just before we started recording about your latest video and just about how well done it is and you were explaining just how long it takes to produce these things and i did one a year over a year ago now just to kind of test it out and see how and i absolutely hated producing this thing it was a nightmare (laughs) i have great respect for what you do after attempting one myself and i don't think i'll be fucking wading back into those waters again so give us a quick update on yourself, what's going on with you, some of your latest videos, just a quick update on Ben. Yeah,
0: there's a, there's a lot going on right now. Um, I've got to say, like I, I feel like there's so many projects on the go that are in the midst of happening. So I guess, I mean, the the business as usual stuff that's going on, I'm still pumping out tutorials every single week, still doing the news show with Nico every Thursday, still doing Why Are We Bullish every Friday. So like that's that's the base of it. Uh, my wife is helping me up, uh, helping me out. She chops up the Friday shows and picks the quotes. So whenever you see those like couple minute clips, she's behind them all. She's the one picking out the cool rants and, and doing all bad. that, which is awesome. Yeah. So I'm, I, you know, hats off to Mrs. Sessions for that. Um, so yeah, that, the, the regular run of stuff is happening on the side. I've been doing a lot of stuff with the human rights foundation, mm. um, um, and so I'm now, I, I received a grant from the human rights foundation earlier this year, uh, for, um, for God, what was it? It was, it was for $25,000. Very it, cool, dude. Which mm, That's awesome. Um, so I, I, you know, I threw my hat in the ring and, and they were like, yeah, you, you got a grant. And so, um, now part of what I'm funneling that into is I'm, I'm, Number one, I'm I'm working with different uh, human rights political dissidents from around the globe, and I'll do like one-on-one calls or group calls with them, teaching how to use various Bitcoin tools so that they can evade Very cool. sanctions. Dude, this
1: is badass! Holy it's, shit! I didn't know you were doing this.
0: Yeah, it's crazy and it's so cool. Like I've spoken with people from around the world, you know, um, you know, post-Soviet states where human rights conditions are are not great people from central and south america um it's it's all over the map but it's super cool um so i'm working with with that but i'm also putting together a track of 10 kind of shorter than usual tutorials that are just kind of straight to the point how do i use this stuff and it's uh i'm starting with 10 videos of various tools that make sense for human rights dissidents um or or for political dissidents that are fighting for human rights um and uh and then i've started using ai to do translations and when i say translations i don't mean like there's there's subtitles i mean i plunk this video into a program it, i've heard about this in my voice it's amazing it makes it into spanish mandarin hindi whatever i want those are the three languages i'm doing first uh, and it cgi's my lips so it looks like i'm speaking the language i put it up and people were like dude you know spanish Like it was, it's that good. And there's like this odd word where it's like, it might not make entire sense, but like in the context of the video, it would be easy enough to navigate. I would just seem like maybe I misspoke or something. But like to give you an idea of, of how much this matters, especially like, I think to me and, and the ability to educate people from everywhere is what I was facing before was trying to figure out number one you had to like get the actual um transcription of of everything i've said in there you'd have to pay find somebody that not only knows both languages but also knows bitcoin at the same time and can like create the new transcription and then somebody because i can't just have subtitles because people need to be looking at what i'm doing not reading what's below it and so i need somebody to overdub it but furthermore, I need the overdub to be timed perfectly because it has to pertain to what's on the screen. So between all of that, the cost of that was going to be just so exorbitant that it was just completely, completely off the table right now. And I'm using part of the grant money for this. I pay 250 bucks a month and I, I can probably pump out three videos in different languages that would have cost Damn. me.
2: Wow. Dude, the amount of uses for AI. I mean, this stuff is, I've heard of this before and it's amazing to hear someone using it firsthand and like how they're doing it. But the deflationary forces here are just to be reckoned with. It's just
0: insane. I I wouldn't be surprised if by next year there were like a handful of other options and the
1: price of it drops by half. For sure. Yeah. Unbelievable. Dude. And we've said this before on here sessions, but this stuff is really exciting and opportunity giving for dudes like the two of us. And I'm sure you like it, I, if you're an incumbent podcaster or media person, this is a bummer, right? Yeah. Because a lot of red tape's been stripped down. But if you're doing something unique and you're garnering an organic audience, like it's creating a more meritocratic digital media environment. Josh and I That's- can spit out a much higher quality, let's say, video product. And, and have a much more high-profile-looking social media presence just with ourselves and a little bit of help on, help on the side because of all these tools that are suddenly available. I mean, we're talking like last couple of years available. Even when we started this yeah. podcast, Josh, this shit wasn't nearly where it is right now. I mean, the, no. the, the speed at which it's accelerating is, is jaw-dropping. It's
0: it's amazing. And it's it's, again, like what this does is it takes, I mean... Uh, I think that probably inside of the next couple of years, it will be easy to basically record a tutorial as normal and then have like a bunch of toggle switches and just say Spanish, Hindi, uh, you know, Mandarin, whatever, and just have it. Even for live shows, you're getting to a point where you'll be able to just have a live show. It could could be this show, all of us looking at each other with CGI lips speaking in another language and somebody watching it with maybe like a 30 second delay or something. That's coming.
1: Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Dude, while we're on this human rights topic, <laughs> I yeah. want to talk about some of your experiences. So first of all, congrats for making Lynn's book, man. I finished that You're the real- other week. I was I was oh, sure. really pumped to yeah. see she put you in there. Well deserved. We haven't on this show with you. We have a little bit in person when we saw you at Pacific haven't on the show, had you unpack. And I don't I'm assuming you can share quite a bit. I don't know what you, you can know, and can't or who's coming on to your door there in Canada, but <laughs> talk to us about the the trucker protest experience from your side and maybe most specifically what you learned from that, what you took away from that, and then what you can pass on from that experience to these people that you're educating, these dissidents.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um you know this was actually the impetus for a lot of my involvement in the HRF uh was you know we got a dry run here in Canada of what can happen when a government decides to cut people off financially because they're they're uh protesting something that isn't uh you know that is not state approved if it's not a state approved protest this can happen and it happened in Canada of all places number for two reasons that's pretty important number one um we're typically a pretty compliant bunch um and number two like you Sorry. typically you don't. Yeah, exactly. And you don't think of Canada as being as draconian as it got. Um, nope. And so, you know, this happened in the dead of winter and people were so fed up. Like this was the largest protest in Canadian history. In wow. all of Canadian history. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And people don't realize like they there there's a lot of people that were very di- within Canada that were very dismissive of it. But when you have the largest protest in a country's history, then you have to give weight to the sentiment being shared by the people that are protesting. There's something that you actually have to address there. And I think that's, yeah. that was missed by a
2: lot of people. But nonetheless, um, not only was it big, though, it was, it was peaceful. It was completely peaceful. People weren't throwing bricks through windows. People weren't flipping cars over and burning them. We're not talking about insanity and pandemonium here. Yeah. We're just talking about people just refusing you yeah. know, to, to move edgewise when the government's telling them you know, yeah. to leave. Yeah,
0: there's if you the the portrayal in the Canadian media and probably in some media in other countries as well um, was was so such a departure from what was actually going on. Um, so you probably saw at some point there were uh, images of some idiot waving a Nazi flag. Um, there was you know, there's like one or two idiots down there that would just jerks what was not caught because they played that that guy with the flag. Over and over and over on every bit of news media coverage. What they didn't show after the fact was anytime somebody was getting out of line like that, all the protesters would be going up and being like, what the fuck are you doing? You need to get the fuck out of here and like basically shove them out of there. And then they would resume playing with their children in the bouncy castles and having a live concert on the streets and and like singing and dancing and bagging. I, I kid you not bagging their own garbage. <laughs> like, like literally, and then people, we put a, some, somebody had put, um, a, this, like there's no bathrooms or anything down there. Somebody went pee and, uh, it was like near, um, a statue that was marked for like a, an unnamed veteran type thing. And people were super offended by that. The next day, all of the people basically cleaned and polished the statue and like, and like shoveled the snow and like, <laughs> like did everything, like cleaned it up bagged all their garbage like left flowers like all all of these things so like it was one of the most respectful you know like yeah it was noisy if you were going to be in if you were living down there the the horns and everything it would probably get to you but at the same time like buildings weren't being set ablaze people Mm -hmm. were not being like assaulted and beaten in the street there was nothing of that nature so so. The long and the short, I guess, to your original question, you know, what was learned, what what kind of came of it. Um, so everything in, on the Bitcoin side of things was was initially done in a way that was just quickly done because at the time it was done, um, they hadn't even reached Ottawa yet, and there was no indication that the government was going to do what it was going to do. As far as anybody knew, this was effectively what it was in exactly as it was intended to be just a peaceful protest to say, we're not going to put up with this anymore. Yeah. And, and so it was, uh, Greg Floss reached out. He had been in contact with a couple of guys that had Bitcoin QR codes down there. Um, and people were like, oh, it'd be cool if we could accept lightning donations. And so, um, Floss reached out to me and he was like, Hey, can, is, is this something that you could help with? Like, could we set that up? And so I, I kind of peeked around, okay, what's the easiest way to do this? Um, and I had a simple, you know, just a simple app on the node that I was running at the time. I had an Umbral node, and there was um, there was an app called TallyCoin, and basically it allow it allowed you to like link your your own Lightning node to it. And I had like a, a really good node, with lots of channels and everything. And uh, you could link your node to a page and then accept Lightning donations, and then you could also get on chain donations and and the the the, the problem with TallyCoin at the time was you could upload an xpub and those unfamiliar in xpub basically is the part of your wallet that generates new addresses every single time you receive a transaction you could upload that um but unbeknownst to me the way it functioned initially not anymore but initially was it would generate a new address for each uh fundraiser that you did not each not each donor Mm. and so once we set it up though, it was kind of like, well, this is the page. If I make a change, then there's opportunity for scammers to jump in and like, yeah. oh no, this is the real page now, or this is the real. So nonetheless, it was set up that way. Um, we very quickly received way more donations than we thought. Uh, we set uh, we set an initial goal for 10 million sats. Uh, we got to 23 Bitcoin. <laughs> wow. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh boy. Um, one, one millionth of all Bitcoin that will ever exist were donated to this single cause,
2: which is crazy. Yeah. Like, it's incredible. Like, you know <laughs> the thing that is really disheartening about this, though, is that if people just don't care if they weren't affected or if, you know, if they weren't somebody who was affected by this financial uh, Armageddon that happened up there where they shut your bank account down, nobody really cares. And it's kind of like in the US when Snowden did all these revelations in 2013, I sat up and I was like. People are going to care about this. This is going to matter. Like they're snooping on everything you're doing. Yeah. There's this large panopticon getting manufactured right underneath the backbone of the internet. People are going to have to care about this, right? Well, like 6 months goes by and nobody cares anymore. It just kind of blows over and people stop caring about things that don't directly affect them. Yeah. That's the I mean, that's just the reality of it. And It's really sad because people don't take this stuff seriously until it directly affects them and when it does, it's generally too late for it to matter.
1: Like you're not going to be able to stop this thing at that point. The beautiful thing though before I hand it back to you Ben is that we do now have Josh a larger and larger globally distributed community of people that do care about this shit. But- I'm a perfect case in point. I think you would agree Josh. Like I if it weren't for Bitcoin I probably wouldn't care. I would probably be still mostly in normie personal finance land. Like that was my passion pre-Bitcoin. It's kind of what led me to Bitcoin, made me attentive to sort of what what Josh was explaining at work. But Bitcoin has changed my perspective. It has put a different lens on the importance of of digital freedom and sovereignty and, and government overreach. And I know there are many, many other people like me. So I guess to think optimistically, the hope is that Bitcoin is sort of the Trojan horse that brings in not only better money, but a more Holistic, well-rounded, realistic perspective and concern about mm-hmm. increased surveillance and control in the digital age—that's unprecedented. And, and it, I think we're watching that play out.
0: Yeah, yeah, you're you're absolutely right. I think I, I think that a number of people that were partook in the protest and then had either it happened to them or or had the threat of their bank accounts and credit cards and all of this stuff. Some people had the insurance canceled for their vehicles. Um, there was all kinds of crazy stuff going on. Credit cards wouldn't work. Bank accounts wouldn't work. People couldn't pay their mortgages, things like that. It was just like they were cut off. Um, So a lot of people had their first interaction with Bitcoin be, oh, wow, this is the only digital payment mechanism that actually worked. Literally of all the online donations, Give, Send, Go and GoFundMe both got shut down in different ways. GoFundMe themselves voluntarily said oh this is outside of our terms of service and they were going to originally just like take the funds and donate them to something else they decided on until there was a threat of a lawsuit and then they just refunded the donors give send go said we're not going to do that we will actually get the money where it needs to go they sent it to a canadian bank and the bank takes it um so so that was basically (laughs) the flow of things meanwhile bitcoin like this this bitcoin was the only thing that actually made it into the hands of truckers, albeit not a hundred percent because there was hiccups at the end that came because of the way that things were done. Unfortunately, um, which I'll, I'll kind of give my list notes of improvements, but, um, at the end of the day, had we used best practices, no question, all of that money would have gotten directly into the hands of people that needed it. Mm. So Mm. main takeaways, I think I'll say just really quick to, to give people better idea. Number one, Obviously, any any um, donation site should have a, a mechanism through which you generate a new address every single time. BTC Pay Server, excellent for that. So you know, there's there's a solution there, and you can also host that through Voltage if you wanted to, or host it yourself. And then, you know, if you you got the skills, then you can get that up on the internet easy. Now, um, uh, Lightning donations. Um, it's it's important to note that uh, the 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 sender is the beneficiary of of the privacy on on lightning as a node it's easy to point to a node and say like this is the node that's getting the payments um but if it's kind of obfuscated where that node resides then that's also beneficial um in terms of of security of funds we had a multi-sig going we had a three of five multi-sig through nunchuck um which uh nunchuck I, I love I like the ability to set up a multisig from afar super easy encrypted chat is amazing um we we did run into a bug and that's where and that's this is very early on it's obviously since been fixed but the way that you send a transaction from the multisig is you have a group chat anybody can propose a transaction and then it sends that transaction into the group chat and anybody from the quorum can click on it and and give a signature as well um the messages weren't being relayed, so nobody could see the transaction to click and approve. And so we had to migrate the keys to a single location to get the remainder of the funds moving. At which point, that person had their door kicked in by RCMP and everything taken. Wow. Yeah. Um, so so shit got um, real. Shit got real. Yeah, absolutely. So, but what I would say in general is we had a three of five, and I think it was too cumbersome. Uh, I would say a two of three is probably more than enough because you need to be able to move quickly in a pinch and it's hard to get a hold of people and like get shit moving efficiently when you're relying on making sure that at least three people can sign quickly. Um, so that was that was a factor. So two of three would be great. Uh, we had all of the key holders publicly identifiable um, which initially, when we're thinking like, oh, we just don't want a single point of failure, we didn't think that that single point of failure could be publicly identifiable people in the same country.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, so, you, what you could do feasibly is have public personas vet their entire reputation on knowing who the key holder is, but not revealing it publicly. And that key holder may not be local, maybe outside of the country. And so then you can, you, you have, we had the don't trust verify element of like who is running this. So you, you, in order to get that amount of donations, you needed to have somebody that people were like, okay, I know like this person's going to screw themselves by, by just like running off with a few Bitcoin. Um, so yeah, you need that, that kind of mixture. So I think that's maybe the best step forward is publicly identifiable people vetting key holders instead. Um, and then the last thing, uh, I would say is we um, when when the funds were given out. There's again, there's this don't trust verify degree that's sitting there. And so um, I think when they were being given out on the ground, I'm across the country on the other side of the country, but like it would be better to um, have if, if somebody wants to verify themselves and say, "Hey, I received donations." Like these guys are actually giving out funds. Then that's their prerogative, but you know some of the the giving out was filmed, and so like that could have been a privacy issue for those individuals. Luckily, I don't think there was any instance where it ended up actually being uh, that anybody came after those funds, but it could have been. So that's something to consider too. So th- those are kind of my takeaway. I actually did a talk on the whole thing in Prague this year. I did like a a, a twenty five minute keynote on the trucker protests and it's on youtube so if you look up ben perrin btc Prague, um it's uh it 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 goes through what happened and then it goes through all of the tools that i think people could use to
2: r- replace what we did
1: we'll link that yeah we will
2: yeah um while i was soaking in the bathtub this morning <laughs> watching lower your bitcoin fees this which is was well crazy Wait, you
1: were this is real this isn't made up real. you're legitimately I soaking I did bathtub. And, and you were watching sessions
2: Yes. And half half of it was just for the reason of talking about this and okay, yeah, a funny fucking thing to talk about. And also, I just <laughs> haven't soaked in a bathtub in a while and I felt like it was time, you know? I'm watching your video and a couple of things occurred to me. Number one is you had to use about five different applications throughout the yeah. video in order to make that happen, right? And I watched it the other day and I was like, I, got, I want to rewatch this today because not that you didn't do a good job. It's just like it's kind of a lot of moving parts, and yeah. to make sure I had it down and understood it, I rewatched it this morning while soaking. <laughs> and number one, we are so early. The fact yes. that you have to go through this gymnastic routine to move things from on chain to liquid to lightning, and then you know back and forth using Uniswap. I think it was Uniswap. Was that the name of the? It was. Uh, it was uh, Bolts Exchange, and oh, that was Bolts. Okay, I'm going to try not to mess that up. But anyway, what the point I'm getting at here is like, I still have boomers that I talk to on a regular basis who want me to. I'm actually, I got to get this on the schedule to go over to this guy's house and help him out. But all he wants to do is move off of an exchange and into cold storage. And this is like a step too far for him. Yeah. And I'm watching this video thinking to myself, like, if the majority of people over the age of, say, 50, just to pick out a number, are too worried to even move it off of an exchange and put it in cold storage, like, what are the chances that these people are going to take the steps that you outlined in that video in order to do some of these more esoteric things in Bitcoin to lower their fees? Yeah, It's almost zero. And it yeah. reminds me of a lot of like what Antonopoulos used to talk about in the Internet of Money, which is he was a nerd in 1989 and 1990 who was one of the first people using email simply because he understood and he had the chops to do it. Mm-hmm. There's very few people that have the chops to do this. And not only because it's a bit tech You have to be a bit tech savvy, but you also have money on the line. Back in the day when you were sending an email, if you fucked it up, it didn't matter. It Mm -hmm. didn't matter. It was just some message to somebody or yourself just to play around. You didn't have any real skin in the game or money on the line. In this case, you do. So people are very apprehensive about moving this stuff around because there's a lot of value attached to it potentially. And again, why we all recommend that when you do these things, you do it with a little bit of money. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm driving at here with the question though is. How do you maintain the leading edge on the Bitcoin tech side of things? Do you set aside a bit of time every day to kind of get yourself familiarized with all because there's so many tools. And every time I watch one of your videos, I'm like, oh, shit, I've never even heard of that. Like, where does this who's your like two things? Where's the source? Like, do you have a few different recommendations of people you follow that like talk about some of the leading edge stuff? And then do you sit down for a period of time once a week or so to kind of learn yourself how do you what's your method for that
0: yeah so so one of my favorite resources that i i mean first of all again being on like combo of like twitter and nostr and just like following good Mm. people that talk about new cool things that that helps a ton so that brings things across my my radar but um one of my favorite websites is no bs bitcoin okay um so no bs bitcoin they they have a a variety of things like they'll always have like oh there's this conference or sailor bought little bot like a, a depressing amount of bitcoin again today
2: like all that 16000 kind of yesterday no yeah. big deal
1: yeah exactly whatever it was it was it was thursday of course he did um <laughs> michael and the most michael sailor if you're listening in the most loving respectful way possible go fuck yourself
0: <laughs> go fuck <laughs> <mark> yourself yeah
1: <laughs> um
0: But like they so no BS Bitcoin also has like, oh, there's a new release of this app and there's these updates. And so a lot of stuff comes across my radar just seeing the current releases there because they do the new software releases and the new apps and all that kind of stuff get brought to light there. So a combo of just social media like gradually following and I couldn't even name them all. There's just way too many people to keep track of. Um, but no BS Bitcoin is, is a great website and they've, they've, it's, as Sweet, they say, right. it's no bullshit Bitcoin, just like straight to the point. They kind of, how
2: have I not heard that. of this before? Dan, have you ever heard of this? No, uh, it's, great. it's, it's they going have, on my they, list.
0: They have a feed on, on Twitter as well. They have a telegram group, uh, and they just, it just posts the articles and you just go in and check them out. But it's, it's excellent. I think it's, uh super high signal. Yeah. Uh, so okay. So
2: the other question then just to interrupt you here is who's doing the tutorials to teach you how to do this stuff? Are you just literally throwing darts at the wall of like, okay, I know what I'm trying to do here. I'm just going to fuck around until it works out. And then. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of that. Um. So yeah, like every, every week, I mean, the main challenge to myself is, is to pump out a tutorial every single week. And so some weeks I'm not feeling I'm not feeling super uh, motivated. And so I'll pick out of the list of stuff that I've wanted to cover. I'll pick something simple where I'm like, okay, it's a, it's a new basic wallet on mobile. I could pump that out, edit it and post it probably inside of a day. And then other times it's like, oh, here's a new thing that I don't even understand how it works or what it does, but I just got to dive in. And so when I'm doing that, um, So I I have live shows on Thursdays and Fridays that gives me Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday to one of the days is let's just fuck around and uh, and and see how this works and just like try it and then make some notes in the middle of it and and try and figure out exactly what I'm doing so that I can replicate it the next day. Sometimes when I do that, if it's too early in terms of like the app itself or whatever it is, and it's just there's bugs galore and it doesn't work. Sometimes that just means it's a throwaway week and either it's going to bleed into the next week and I don't get a tutorial that week or I just change gears and do a simple one the next day and I'm like, I'll come back to this in six months and see if it's ready. Um, But basically the flow that we, the ideal flow that week where I have a hard one is I spend a day learning how to do it uh, and I have like my notes and outline by the end of that day. The next day I just do the thing And I record it and maybe do a bit of editing. And then the last day is like fully edit, get it uploaded, and then just blast it out everywhere. All the threads, all of that. So, yeah.
1: You know, I think a good reminder for people listening is that as dumb as this sounds to you creating it, Ben doesn't just know how to do this shit. It comes sure. with a lot of time. Effort, what are you and talking about,
2: Dan? This is sacrilege <laughs> to say these types of things on here. This is how <laughs> uh, we shadow you know, ban.
0: If if you guys could see the B roll of how many f bombs happen in, a, oh, in yeah. a new concept of a tutorial, yeah. Hardware
1: wallets getting chucked, and I, I think honestly, on a way different scale. Not to give Josh and I much more credit, but when we get DMs and people reach out, it's like Josh and I have also spent hundreds of hours exploring. I mean, th- this last yeah. week, I. Yeah. I'm not as as tech motivated as, as some others. So especially now that we're doing this as a part-time job, like I have to push myself to spend time. So like this last yeah. week, I took the time to set up or to to watch an unchained vault in Caravan. I've already done yeah. that in Sparrow. Josh and I were exchanging right. some questions, talking about how UTO did UTXOs get reflected and all this stuff. But I have to say, okay, Daniel, you're going to go in the basement. For, and once I'm 10, 15 minutes in, I get animated and excited about it. And yeah. every time... I move bitcoin seriously almost every time I move bitcoin I have a moment where I sit there and I go this thing is absolutely incredible but I have to yeah. it's like working out right and so if you right. if you are someone listening that is motivated to to be more comfortable with your bitcoin which I know a lot of people are there is no shortcut you are going to have to experiment and explore yeah. um and I guess I'm going to play both sides of the fiddle here for a second because we do kind of maybe confuse in this regard. I I think single SIG setups on a, say a cold card and Sparrow wallet, Mm -hmm. they are robust enough. They do going through that process with say those two things I just mentioned does teach you enough to be Mm -hmm. like to have earned the right to self custody for lack of a better term. Like if you, if you're driving a car and you have absolutely no idea how to change a tire, maybe you shouldn't be driving a car, right? And, oh. and the same thing could be said of, of self-custody. And I feel like with a cold card and say Sparrow, which we often joke, if you can assemble a Lego set for ages seven and up, you can probably yeah. accomplish those two things. That's one side. The other side is that practically we have now six years into our time in Bitcoin watched this be even what I just mentioned, which to us seems really easy there's just so much more friction surrounding it for for even people that are accumulating meaningful amounts of Bitcoin it's really surprising and I think for me it makes me think about what we mean when we say the word easy right yeah. I, I've played golf since a very young age I played in high school I played in college and I worked in the golf business although not every time I can pipe a drive 280 yards up the middle and say that's easy all I did was take, the, take it back here and swing through here it was easy just yeah. went. <laughs> it's like that, that's not easy for someone that's never done it And I think that parallels cold storage to some extent, because Josh and I say all the time, it is wild to us how few people actually take these steps. And so here's the other side is now coming and facing reality and saying, you know what, maybe it is, whether it's just the perception of it or the reality, it's hard to parse which one it is harder for other people. And we need to, to meet instead of just saying it's easy, anyone can do it. Hat tip to you for actually going out there and showing people how to do it. I guess hey, all those way, words are to, are to say there's there, there's no way you're going to get comfortable unless you go yeah. move some Bitcoin around.
2: Yeah. Dan's um, just real quick to interject here. His nickname at work is quickly becoming Country Club because he literally is a uh, he's like a, a silver spoon baby. with He plays right. tennis and golf. And is exceedingly good at both, and everyone else is like, "Where the fuck did this guy come from?" He calls himself Blue Collar. He,
1: yeah, I've long he's a said, golfer
2: and a tennis player.
1: I've like, long fuck said, out of here. You play I,
2: polo too, don't you?
1: I, I yeah, I have a horse. Uh, <laughs> fuck these people at these country clubs. I belong there. I'm built. I'm built to be at a country club. Maybe Bitcoin will get me there one day. I yeah, it's. it's so I, I guess to to that respect
0: nothing is easy if you've never done it mm. right there's it's the same what i what i will say is bitcoin self custody is no more difficult than uh, the transition of people going to online banking the first time somebody used online banking they were and like the inter- the interfaces are still trash for online banking so like when grandma realized that she can't go into the bank every single day and she's got like an iPad now to like figure out how to send money and everything like it it is it is no more difficult than that. And and that was jumping through some hoops for some people to figure that crap out. But most of society did not every but there's always going to be edge cases where it's just impossible and you need. You need somebody managing stuff for you that you just don't have the cognitive abilities to do so. But um, I think Bitcoin through two mechanisms are is getting to that place. And number one is not everybody needs to be using every insane thing that comes out that is like the most crazy secure, like, you know, uh, distributed and uh, like... yes. You know, 11 of 15 multi sig. (laughs) You don't, you don't, the average person with a basic hardware device, um, it and their words backed up and stored somewhere else, maybe on a piece of steel. If you're worried about a house fire, then the average person with that, they're fine. They're fine. Um, I think that it's still a, a learning curve, and I think that the interfaces will continue to get easier and easier and easier. And people will still be fine. Um, but also, I where I think I, uh, you know, this is where I, I tend to push back the most when, when there's people saying like, the average person will never be able to do this. I think that those statements that I hear from some people are total BS because the average person will absolutely be able to do this if they want to. Now, whether or not they care to is a totally different thing. But will would they be able to? A hundred percent. And the reason being is, again, just it's unfamiliarity. People can learn things they're unfamiliar with. It just takes a little bit of time and effort. And then number two is that it's going to get easier. All of these things mm. are going to get so much exactly. easier. It is so, so early. And like, Josh, you were talking about my my jumping through hoops to like optimize on-chain fees and like do, do all these things. And I use a whole bunch of different apps. And you're absolutely right. I hopped through like a few different websites and like three different wallets and like did, did all these different things so that I'm utilizing it in the most efficient way. That will be one app eventually. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And it, it will be, you open up the app to set it up and it'll ask you a few questions about your preferences. It'll say, hey, um, you know, what percentage of your Bitcoin do you want easily accessible for day-to-day expenditures? What percentage of your Bitcoin do you want just going into long-term savings? And in order to save on fees and getting stuff into on-chain long-term savings, is it okay if you make a slight trade-off in in security in the midterm until it hits a certain threshold where it moves into long-term savings? It'll ask you a few simple questions about that. And based on your responses, you'll receive any type of bitcoin transaction from any type of bitcoin wallet whether it be lightning liquid or on chain and it will allocate according to your preferences on whether you prioritize minimizing fees uh, or full self-sovereignty on chain and it'll just happen and you'll have no idea in what form you're using bitcoin or you'll just know that i am relatively private Um, I've got a pretty good amount of self-sovereignty and when it hits a certain threshold, it's going to be on chain and absolutely secure with my own keys.
2: I had a situation, Dan, you're familiar with this, and this is something we've talked about a few times personally, but I'll share it here. This was a real, and I'm sure you've had these Ben, and I'm sure just about everyone who's been in Bitcoin long enough to have what they view as a substantial amount of Bitcoin. You've all had this butthole pucker moment. When something doesn't quite work the way you thought or expected, it might. And it scares the living shit out of you. So my example was I'm using an unchained vault. I use the UTXOs or not the UTXOs, the Xpubs to create a viewing uh, wallet on Sparrow. So now I've got these two things in tandem. I can see the transactions on Sparrow. I can see the transactions and unchained sent what for me is a significant amount of Bitcoin to this vault and I'm viewing it on Sparrow. And so now at this point, I'm like, well, I don't need to use Unchained. I'll just, I'm i just going to use Sparrow. So I'm sending more Bitcoin to Unchained using the addresses that Sparrow is creating, which are the same. But what I did, which messed things up a little bit out of sync, is I didn't just use the next address. I used, say, five addresses down. That so works. as I'm sending money there, Sparrow's tracking it. Sparrow's got the correct number. I go into Unchained maybe a month or two later to look at it. It's not reflecting the same number, so I'm like, it's a moment of pure panic, right? You're like, uh oh, something yeah. is not working the way I expected. But it, so the thing I would I would tell people to be very careful of is don't panic, because as we're outlining here, Bitcoin is tracking everything. All of these all of these wallets are is uh, they're viewing what they're being told to view. <laughs> so what had happened there? The addresses that Unchained is looking at, it's not expecting those other addresses because I didn't use Unchained to to create them. So it's just not viewing those. And Sparrow was viewing the ones that I told it to view. The first, I think 20 it does or whatever. And so the discrepancy was fine. Everything was okay. I didn't lose any money. But what I'm saying is if you've messed around in this stuff long enough, you're going to have one of these moments when you get the shit scared out of you. Have you had something like that happen to you, Ben, where you just you oh, you realized yeah. you made maybe a technical difference between two wallets and then something's not showing up and it scares the shit out yeah. of you.
0: Yeah. And I, I mean, I deal with people that can't have those moments every single day, right? I do these one-on-one sessions. Yes. with people. And they're like, actually, you know what? Just funny enough, I know there's a bit on a tangent, but in the same realm, there's a guy that had been sagging Bitcoin like over the past few years. and uh, And he's like trying to recover some wallet and he has no idea where his shit is. And he's like, oh, there's, there's a meaningful amount of Bitcoin in there. Uh, I hope that it's some, and so we like, he had a seed phrase and he had, um, like a cold card and everything. We're trying to load it up. And, uh, I have, you know, we open up his hot wallet. There's like not really anything. There's like 50 bucks in there. We open up the cold card and there's like a singular transaction for like, you know, a three quarters of a Bitcoin in and then out. Um, And then, and he's like, that's not even the full amount. Like I just don't, we just had no idea where it was. And then through his notes, I noticed that um, he had taken a screenshot of like a deposit that he did. And the address structure was different. Mm -hmm. So you can have addresses that start with B P one And then ones with start with three. This one was, it started with the three. I was like, oh, we're literally on your cold card, we're just looking at the wrong addresses. We're auditing the wrong addresses for a balance. And so we made that switch and all of his Bitcoin was there. And he was like, oh my God, oh. <laughs> How much money do you want, Ben? I'll, you can have yeah. whatever you want. Thanks for saving my ass. So like, but this, this is the type of thing that happens all the time. Like you say, like you're, you're, you, there's a good chance that you, you have it but you're just looking in the wrong place and these are little things that if you're unfamiliar and then there's been other instances where like on, for instance, on Sparrow Wallet, and this is a common one where you can, you know, you, you have the public addresses of uh, a wallet and you can deposit to them. You can hit send and it should go off and everything. But uh, Sparrow Wallet has a little toggle switch in the bottom right that connects you to the Bitcoin network. And sometimes people are sitting yep. there and they're like, my balance isn't showing up. Like it's just not, and they've withdrawn from an exchange or something. And the exchange is saying like, well, we sent it. This is a you problem. Like, we don't know what you did. Like you gave us an address. Is this the address? It's here it is on the blockchain. Like, and, and so like just the act of <laughs> I've had calls where somebody is like, all my Bitcoin is yep. missing. I'm like, is there, can you hit this one button? And they're
2: like. Oh my God!
0: There it is.
1: It's a miracle
0: you yeah. did it. And I'm like, right, we just connected
1: you to the network. That's all. Here, here's here's my. That's uh, a pretty
2: common one I've seen too.
1: Here's yeah. my butthole pucker story. And now we're freaking some plebs out. But hey, we got it. We got to tell it like it is. <laughs> I one time opened a wallet which for me had a, for at a very significant amount of Bitcoin in my life, uh, and I was querying the wrong script type in Sparrow. So, you know, you got like legacy, nested Segwit, native Segwit, Taproot. And I, I knew like, oh, I'm, I'm looking at the wrong one. So, uh, I went through all four, like on a wallet I was importing it in to like, make sure everything looked good. And I thought I'd tried, let's say there's four types in Sparrow there. I like swore I went through all four and I was like, where the fuck is my Bitcoin? Uh, and, and so I sat there thinking, oh, I've already like checked the script types in there. Now what? I've got to like figure out what the problem is. Like an hour later, I'm like, all right, let me try the four types again. And yeah. bam, there it was, you know, I, I got, the, so it, I think I wasn't in full blown panic mode. And, and this is something you hit on a second ago, Josh, I was concerned. Right. And I was, the, the heart rate was elevating, but if you had, you know, Asked me, do you think your Bitcoin's gone? I would have emphatically said no. And part of the reason for that is I have a base understanding of how Bitcoin works and what kind of device that Bitcoin is stored on. And so that's back to my point earlier. Like, if you want to get more comfortable and you want less, you want your sphincter to tighten less when these instances happen, understanding more like what keys are, what hardware wallets are, and, and using best practices can take the fear away when these situations arise. Cause you can go back and go, okay, take a deep breath. Like you're safe, right? You're going to be One okay. One of the worst
2: things in my view you could do in that situation is say, oh, like you panic, right? And you go get your seed word, like your plate or whatever. And you start putting that into some like hot wallet to see if maybe you can reanimate it. And then your computer's compromised. And now you've opened yourself up to a potential serious problem. Yeah. Of somebody stealing your money. Like that's the kind of, uh, solution that some people might come to that could fuck them over completely.
0: Yeah. So again,
2: it, it's like pump the brakes, think about what you're doing and how you did it and maybe reach out to somebody who really knows what they're doing. If you're, you know, you're working with unchained, they're a good place to go. Yeah. Um, any of these other Casa, like is another good example. They've got people that can help you. Ben, you can reach out to him. Um, Dan Oof. and I maybe, but well. There's a lot of people out there that are very knowledgeable. Even about Swan how these work.
1: Swan support will walk you through a ton of shit. They've yeah. been allocating more and more people to that. So there, there are people that will hold your hand when you're in these situations.
0: Yeah, I think again, in general, like don't don't panic, take it slow. Like, and and also, if you're not, if you're trying to like see, you know, in the instance where you're just pulling stuff up and there's just like a straight up zero balance. um, And like no transaction history that's just the number one indicator that you're looking in the wrong place because in a hack situation you would see a transaction of all of your money leaving leaving yeah right if you're seeing no indication that there's a history to the wallet then it's very clear that you're just you're you're just not looking at the right addresses or you're, you're just looking in the wrong place in some way so um there's a lot of there's a lot of things about bitcoin that that have checks and balances to make sure you're not screwing up too much. So like, you know, if, if you're putting in a seed phrase, um, the final word, um, is it is known as a checksum, which basically, um, based on the previous words, whether it be a total of 12 or a total of 24, the 12th or the 24th word is mathematically defined to only be, uh, I think seven different options based on the words that came before it. So if it's not one of those seven, um, then then it's, it gives you a warning. It's basically like uh, the checksum is, is invalid. And so you'll know when you go to recover, if, if the checksum is valid and you're able to put in your 12 or 24 words, then the words are right. But if you're not seeing the right balance, then you're just maybe looking at the wrong addresses. If the checksum is invalid then there's something wrong with the words. So there's there's different checks and balances. Same thing happens with Bitcoin addresses. It's very difficult to put in um, a, a Bitcoin address that's just just like not a valid address. You can paste in incorrect addresses that go somewhere else, and there's you know right. But but it's you can't like delete a character off of an address accidentally and have it have your Bitcoin wallet be like that's fine. You can do that on
1: Ethereum. That, that that point you just made is is really good and I think it reduces a lot of fear. Right. Yeah. It, it, that great point because I think a lot of people are like are the characters right? Obviously it's a copy and paste but people are checking back yeah. and forth back and forth. Yeah. It's not going it's not going to send it to the planet Mars on accident here. It's it's either going to yeah. be a concentrated malicious attack that hopefully really isn't possible if you're using a hardware wallet you're going to have to physically do something on that device that's why you need to be using these devices especially for for right. large amounts that that could be generational yeah. wealth if type it's, deal
2: if it's a large amount you should be checking that the hardware wallet is giving you the address not don't yeah. trust your computer screen double uh-huh. check the address list on your uh cold card that is yeah. my advice for that
0: exactly that's that's actually like a, a lot your of money. hardware is your beacon of truth what's on your computer could be a, a total fabrication and so like if, if your computer is, is compromised and all these devices assume that the computer that they're dealing with is compromised, that's how they're designed. But the idea is what you see on your computer screen, you just cross-reference what's on the computer screen to the hardware. And so you just eyeball the beginning and the end of the address. And if it looks the same, it's very, very difficult on the fly to maliciously create an address that looks almost identical to the one that you're that you're pasting. And that would be just not, not easily done. Um, so as long as like the last chunk of digits are looking lined up in the first few, you, you can eyeball it pretty. You can get more comfortable with that over time where you just kind of go, okay, okay. Yeah. I'm Good. And just be cautious again, if it's a large amount and pay attention to the amounts that are being sent to what does your, what does your hardware say? Not to what does your computer say? So yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And just repetition. The more times you see Bitcoin move successfully, which it yeah. always does, yeah. unless you're totally fucking something up, it ends up where it's supposed to go. Once you see the plane land more and more, you're like, okay, I'm comfortable flying, and then the numbers that you're comfortable moving and the things you're you're comfortable doing expand. Yeah. On the, um, I, I was just gonna say, we we started this conversation down the road of
0: like that 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 fee video, um, and it can be. It you know, fees can go up, which makes experimentation expensive. Yeah. But there are ways to learn on Bitcoin that don't require you, you know, to to be spending a whole bunch of money. Number one, you can use testnet. Testnet is y- you can use testnet coins which have no value but allow you to practice. So that's one thing that you can do. Um, and you can find like online faucets that allow you to get testnet coins and stuff like that. Um, so that's one option. But number two is I think Liquid is also a great option just for experimentation because transaction fees are like a few pennies. And so like if you've got, if you got a Lightning wallet, you can swap into Liquid very easily and then you can just test sending transactions and backing up and recovering wallets and things like that so that you get the lay of the land right. and you can practice with that with like 10 bucks and then, and then you, you know, that gets you comfortable to then move into on chain hardware, all of that stuff. And, and like you, you'll be very familiar with it in that
1: instance. The, the perfect segue here, Sessions, sure. into what we think is maybe the biggest priority in this chat and talking about stacking in a higher fee environment, talking okay. about UTXOs, because things are changing. And yeah. I think the onus is on people like us to start. Changing our tune a little bit. Like I've been yeah. giving some thought to hmm, have we not been vocal enough about say UTXO management? Now we have done, we had Tom Hanzik on here, I don't know, a year and a half ago talking about it from Unchained specific episode dedicated to it. But there are people out there that have been doing daily buys and you know daily or weekly dumps into cold storage, and those type of folks are. I don't want to say fully, but partially up Shit Creek, and I think it's Ooh. important that we start shedding more light on this. I'm going to let you go wherever, however you want. Let's start with what a UTXO is. Why are fees higher, and then we can get into some of the tech uh, takeaways.
0: Okay. Okay. So um, overall, let's let's uh, discuss first of all, like what's happening in your wallet when you receive Bitcoin. Um, it is not an account system. It's not just, oh, you have a wallet. And then when you receive a transaction, you just have a singular balance that says a number. It is more like receiving cash. If somebody hands you bills, if somebody hands you a 20 and a 10 and a five, when you go to look in your wallet later, you don't just see 35 bucks, you see a 20, a 10, and a five. And so when you're receiving Bitcoin transactions, each transaction that you receive is an identifiable chunk of Bitcoin known as UTXO for the exact amount that you received, And so all of these little pieces are are sitting in your wallet. The difference between cash and Bitcoin is is Bitcoin, mo- when you go to spend, it's more like, let's say uh, I had those, that 20, 10 and, you know, a five and I wanted to spend, I don't know, I wanted to spend like We'll say we'll say 20 or, or like 32 bucks or something. Um, so I had 35. What I'm actually doing is kind of like I had a coin worth of e- worth each of those amounts. And what I'm going to do when I spend it is I melt it down and I forge two new coins. So I have a thirty two dollar coin that I'm spending and I've got three dollars in change, which is going to be a single coin that comes back to me. So each time that you spend, you're, you're basically smelting down to the, the denominations that you need. Now, the tricky thing about Bitcoin is your on-chain fees are the function of, of two things. Number one, uh, they're the function of how many people are trying to transact at the same time. How busy is the network? Because there's a limited amount of data that can be put through. And then how much data is your transaction itself taking up? And it has nothing to do with the amount of money you're sending. In In many instances, if you're sending 20 bucks or $10 billion, in in many instances, it's possible that those transactions could cost exactly the same to send. Which is cool as hell, by the way. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, now that- it's is also scary as hell because if you've accumulated, say, 100 UTXOs that are all very small. Yeah. The transaction fee could potentially be worth more than the Bitcoin that you have, which yeah. which is why this is so important, because yeah. what that would be called mean people refer to that as dust. If you yeah. have a very small UTXO, it's actually more expensive to send it than it is yeah. worth. So it's 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 basically you don't have anything because the transaction fees are too high for you to yeah. get any value output.
0: Yeah. So so when you're yeah, when you're sending a transaction, um, it takes more data to send multiple small pieces of Bitcoin and and smelt them all together and get them out the other side than it does to take a singular piece of Bitcoin and then send that straight through and get your change. So if you've been sitting there and you've been stacking 20 bucks at a time directly on chain into a wallet and you go to spend $1,000 or move $1,000, that's going to be, that's going to cost you. I don't know, like it depends how busy the network is. It might cost you a couple hundred bucks. It might be like 20% of the stack. It might be more. It really depends on the situation at the time and how busy the network is and how fast you want to get it through. And so um, the way you can solve for that directly on chain, like if you're sitting there and you're like, oh my God, I've been doing $20 dollar cost averages into, a, you know, into a hardware wallet. What the hell do I do now? Well, you can... What I would do as you is I would take a look and I would see what fees are at currently. And a good website for this is mempool.space, mempoo Space, And that gives you a picture of, um, you know, kind of what current fees are, what, what does it cost to get into the next block on average, blah, blah, blah. And if they have been dipping, if it's not exorbitantly expensive to do a transaction, then what you can do is you can do uh, um, UTXO consolidation. And I talked about like melting down coins into, into a larger coin. You're basically, you're sending money to yourself, to one of your own addresses, and you're just sending all of it. And it melts it down into the equivalent of like a big gold bar, which then makes it, because there's less data to send that out later, even if fees are high, you've only got one UTXO to deal with, or maybe a couple. Instead of just a ton of them, that's going to screw you in fees. And so you can, even in, in Sparrow Wallet, when there's the the send to field,
1: mm-hmm. it,
0: there's a little arrow that drops down and you can just hit the arrow and there's an op- just option that will say the name of your wallet and in brackets it'll say consolidation. And you just click that, it'll pick one of your own addresses and then you can say, they, you know, hit the max button and you're sending all of your Bitcoin to yourself. And then that will consolidate down everything into a single quote right. unquote gold bar. Um, there is a trade-off with privacy there. Yes. So right. um, you need to note that if if you've been like coin joining and things like that, and you've got like these chunks of Bitcoin that are, are kind of separate and private, putting them all back together can undo some of that privacy that you've gained. So, you know, you, you may want to just you may be want to thinking you want to maybe think in a way where you're like, I want to have large bills, but I don't want, you know, when, if you, if you go to pay at a merchant for, for instance, if I had like a million dollars worth of Bitcoin, it's effectively a million dollar bill. And it's like going into a corner store and, or a a t a t-shirt shop and buying a $20 t-shirt. And the clerk sees The $999,000 worth of change that they gave back to me, they're going to be like, especially Hmm. if you're doing this online and they're they're shipping to your house, they may be like, that's worth a plane ticket for me (laughs) and the cost of a $5 wrench.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, My follow-up question is going to be for you practically, and this is going to be different for each person. How many UTXOs is a good idea? Um, I was actually looking into this the other week when, when the fee environment gets higher. This gets back on my radar. I'll share some numbers of what I found the other day. I forget how many sats per byte it was. It was mm-hmm. elevated, but it wasn't like at the recent peak. Uh, one of my main places I have uh, wallets, there were seven UTXOs. For me to uh-huh. consolidate all of it would have cost me 24 bucks. Yeah. Another wallet I have, probably more, more UTXOs that I'm going to prefer carrying forward, 17. And that was going to cost me 68 bucks. So talking about dust, if in that wallet with 17 UTXOs or 17 bills or denominations of Bitcoin, that amount, this is maybe the most simple I can distill it, that amount was less than $68. I'm in dust territory. And... This is applicable to just like what percentage are you comfortable with? You've got $1,000 of Bitcoin and 100 UTXOs and in a high fee environment, it's going to cost you 200 bucks to move it. That's not impossible math based on places we've been. Uh, that's 20% of the value. So if this is freaking you out a little bit, it is worth paying attention to this. I don't think yeah. the immediate answer is consolidate to one UTXO for privacy reasons Ben just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's something worth paying attention to and then before I throw that question to you, I think another note, it's just so easy to show cold cards because we like them so much. But this is why we've said before, cold cards are easy to use, but they're not too easy to use. If you have no idea what a UTXO is, you haven't been using a cold card because yeah. cold card forces you to use a desktop wallet or something that gives you a little bit more awareness of what's happening under the hood than just saying, popping into a ledger. Yeah. Um Sidebar there. Go back to how do you prefer thinking this through? For, for Let's just keep it a large amount of Bitcoin that you plan to pass on in the future or use in 20 years. What kind of UTXO breakdown are you thinking? So so I, I think of it
0: in terms of like the size of bills that I, I want to carry. And so um, I've heard people toss around like the idea of having UTXOs that are of the size of like a million SATs a or million more. or more yeah um, that's that's pretty solid. right now a million SATs is what 380 bucks okay so that's that's manageable and like it, in a worst case scenario where fees are exorbitant and it costs like you know we've recently seen them where a regular transaction might cost 10 or 20 bucks not the end of the world to move a million SAT UTXO And also you got to think that right now I said a million sats is around 380 bucks, but you know, that could 10 X, right. And so, you know, that then, you know, proportionally the, uh, the fee that you're paying, you know, you're moving a fair amount of money and that the fee may not be as bad there. It may be worse, but like, you just need to keep in context like what am i doing and i think in general people are going to approach it in a way where they say okay i've got my my larger long-term savings sit sitting in these like larger bars of gold and then if i want it spendable then you'll be able to just send it to a wallet that'll convert it to like a lightning spendable amount and so I think people we we're, we're reaching the age where people are becoming conscious of how how efficient they are on chain, and we ran into this before, but not for not as much for the individual, more mm. so for the exchanges. Right? That that happened in, in tw- at the peak in 2017, we hit a point where I remember on chain because there were no there were no dials and buttons to really set your, your fees efficiently in some wallets. And I remember, and like, there's no, nobody knew anything about UTXO management. And so I remember at the peak of 2017, sending a transaction, it cost me a hundred dollars.
2: I sent something for like 85 back then. It was insane how expensive it was. Yeah.
0: It it just, there was no management and none of the exchanges were batching. So every withdrawal was an individual on-chain transaction. So that forced the businesses of exchanges to go, we need to be efficient. We're now getting to a place where individuals also need to be efficient. So I think what you'll see is you'll see suites of tools. Like like you said, that video that I just did, I'm jumping through hoops to be efficient, but it's possible. So that means it's possible to bake that in and automate it into single tools. So I think you're going to see that. It's just, it's not here yet. So if you want to know how to do it, just go watch that video. And then all of a sudden you can have, in my opinion, reasonable trade-offs where you can, you can still do your, like as long as you're on an efficient exchange that's batching transactions and not, you know, not swiping uh, or not not costing you in fees to withdraw. If you can do that, then you can be auto sending to yourself in a way that you don't have an on-chain footprint, and then you can hit a threshold and then go on-chain yes. and save long term.
2: Yeah. We talk quite often on this on this podcast about multi-sig. And it- I think everyone pretty much well, if you don't understand what that is, this isn't we don't have enough time here to really go into it, but your videos on them on it are great. One of the things I think a lot of people have an issue with is deciding where to separate these seeds and these cold cards or signing devices where to put them do you have some pretty decent advice i mean I, everyone knows that like you should geographically distribute these things right you should have like a friend or a family member what are the some of the more interesting ways you've heard of people hiding these devices or places they're putting them where they feel there's enough security um, but they're not opening themselves up to too much liability by keeping them at, say i mean like security deposit boxes yep. that could be a good idea the, the problem is is at some <clears throat> at some point, if there's overreach by government entities, they could open up safety deposit boxes potentially. What are basically some good ideas and where you could hide some of these devices?
0: Yeah. Okay. So um I guess I'll give just a tiny bit of context here in and around um implications of the individual devices in a multisig. So multi-sig basically you know, a regular single SIG is you've got a digital vault and you have a single key that can open that vault and you can have, you know, spare keys as well. You can, you know, your seed phrase is a spare key. Uh, a multi-SIG is is a digital vault that has multiple keyholes and you need a certain threshold of keys to unlock it. So it's kind of like a, a key, uh, a multi-SIG vault might have three keyholes and you need at least two of those keys simultaneously to unlock it. And so in those instances um, the the why you would do a multi-sig vault is is you're hedging against physical attack. Hardware devices hedge against digital attack, primarily I would say, because the keys are offline. The keys are sitting in a device not connected to the internet. A multi-sig vault hedges against somebody getting physical access to the one key that opens the vault. If there's multiple keys, they're gonna have to go for a drive or jump on an airplane. To get the other key that unlocks the vault, and and there's a whole host of things that can prevent that from happening. So that's great. Um, when storing those, there's there's kind of two things to contend with with multisig. You got the keys, but in a way, you've also got uh, a, what's known as a wallet file. It's it's like the map to your vault. You could have enough keys to unlock the vault, but if you don't know where the vault is, it they're useless. And so. Um, you can, you can think about this in different ways. Number one, if somebody gets one key, they have nothing. They cannot open the vault in any way. Um, they, there's also, depending on how you store things, there's also no indication necessarily that that device is part of a multi-sig. It's just a key. And so it's like, you know, they, if, if they manage to get the pin or if they get the seed phrase, they they might plunk that into a wallet to check what's there and there might be nothing and I'll just go oh, no wallet history. Oh, well, or you might put a decoy amount in there and there's like a few hundred bucks and they're like, oh, I guess this guy didn't have very much savings. What a LARP. <laughs> so so there might be a degree of that. Now, the tricky bit, too, is you want to store that that map, that wallet file. Um, you want a, a copy of that as well you might store that with the individual keys. Yeah. Because again, if somebody has the map and they have one key, they still have like they can see the balance, they could they could pitch you a few sats and help top off your balance, but they can't they can't unlock the vault. They don't have enough keys and they're not going to get on a plane to go get the other one probably. Um so and the other thing about this too is typically for me, like if I've got a single sig, then I want to store I, you know, I like to have it in different locations. I like to have the device somewhere, um, you know, if it's used for day to day, then I like to have the device accessible and then the seed stored somewhere else. Um, but you could technically speaking, store these two things in the same location because the seed itself is not enough to access the funds. And if the seed isn't steel, then a house fire, actually, you don't lose the key, You the, the, the the steel is still salvageable. So, um there's been I I think that let's let you mention unchained. Okay, so in that instance unchained has a key. You have two keys. But each key in the form of a hardware device is also going to have a backup. So it's kind of up to you whether you say I'm going to keep the device and their backups together. Um or whether you separate those out so that you actually have four things in four different locations. That's totally up to you. The one thing you don't want to do is you don't want to store enough key material in the same location where you have the threshold of keys to access. Yeah, So you're not going to mix and match the devices and the seed plates, vice versa, because if you've got a seed plate for one key and you've got a device for the other key, you've got both keys accessible in one spot, So you could be coerced into accessing the funds. Um, And the whole point is if somebody comes into your house, the $5 wrench, and they say, give me all your Bitcoin, you cannot. Cannot, yeah. Yeah. So just make sure that the keys are separated, and then it's up to you whether you take every part of that and disperse it. Safety deposit boxes, if you're worried about the state, then you don't store the map there. You store the key, you maybe put a, def- a like a, a, a decoy amount in there, but you have no indication that that thing is part of a multi-sig.
1: Yeah. Good, good tips. Good tips. I would also say, I think you need to store the, you you hinted at this, but to, to articulate it again, store the map in more than one location. Yes. I would have yeah. multiple copies of that. The longer we've been mm. at this, Ben, we both I think are in alignment that we we are pushing people towards getting to a to a spot where they're doing multi-sig. You're not going to be there right away. It you need to start understanding how to move Bitcoin to a single sig wallet, but stuff is getting easy enough and accessible enough with things like Unchained and Nunchucks yes. set up now and and, the, and there's other options. It's like the if you're confused listening, it is best for you to get to a point where. If someone finds one thing in one location, as you just said, they do not have access to your stack. And we would encourage you do not have your eventually, especially if you're accumulating a really meaningful amount of Bitcoin, do not have a situation where if someone is in your house, they can access all of your Bitcoin. Yeah. Like you may not be there right away, but grow to a point where someone could fucking break into your house. And as you said, you are unable. To give them your Bitcoin because of how you've got it properly distributed.
2: Yeah. One other question for you, Ben, about storing the map itself. Yes. Um, I don't know if you can do this in Sparrow. Maybe you can enlighten me. But Inspector, I know you can create a QR code, or you can actually print out. I know using a printer for this is may not necessarily be the best idea. But if you want, do you think you would recommend just a digital copy on, like, say, a good SD card, maybe multiples of that, or would you prefer to hold that map? on actual physical media? Um, I think
0: redundancy-wise, and there's, there's some interesting ways to do this. I'll, I'll, I'll bring up one that is kind of uh, on the forefront of this. But um, it, let's say you have like an Unchained vault or a Nunchuck, like Honey Badger, Assisted Multisig or whatever it is. Um, so in both those instances, you can download a file And you can import that file wherever. And so like in that instance, it's an assisted multisig, which I think for the average person, if you're doing multisig, assisted multisig is kind of the way to go because then you have a a company there that one cannot access your Bitcoin unilaterally, but two are there if you screw up. And so like the unchained example you gave, um, you've got you've got two devices and a backup to each device you've got four things you could lose three of those things and go to Unchained and still be fine yes so that's that's kind of the whole point but the, the wallet file itself um, even when you're using assisted multisig you want that file and you want it somewhere else and the reason being is if you're using Unchained and you don't have that file there's there's a couple things that could happen number one is that you know, the company goes bust and disappears and you miss every single email of them notifying you like, Hey, we're going to pretty soon. We're not, we're going to go to business and you need to migrate your funds away and everything. As soon as that website shuts down, if they've got the map and you do not, it doesn't matter that you have the two keys. You can't, you don't know where the vault is anymore. You don't have the map. You lost the map. You're screwed. So you got to get that map and you just got to have it somewhere. You can save it. You can put it like in Sparrow on your computer so you can then audit your balance at the same time. But the point is when you do that, you can now unilaterally move funds without ever having to log into Unchained again, if you don't want to. Yeah. Um, And same thing with Nunchuck, you can export, it's called, they call it the BSMS file, but you can import that to Sparrow. So you get the number one, get it on an interface where you can interact with it on your own. But number two, you might want a backup of it. You might want to like put on an SD card or something like that and then store it at a different location. You're super redundant at that point. If you've got Unchained or Nunchuck that have the wallet file, if you've got a copy of the wallet file just natively on your laptop, I'd say that's already redundant enough. But if you want like even extra, then sure, slap it on an SD card and put it at your your family's house and they're safe or something like that. In then, your you know, Faraday
2: cage in case there's an EMP.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now the other the other cool thing I think that's coming uh, that that exists today. um, There's something called. um, Now I'm going to forget what it's called. Oh my
1: god, is it? Oh god, it's it's um, the guy who developed it's listening. He's like, come on, Ben. Fuck, say it. I know. God damn it. Uh, Is it? It's
0: is it Stamp Seed? No, it's not Stamp Seed. they so basically what what he's done this guy and i'm i'm gonna lose my mind you guys are gonna have to look it up and put in the show notes afterwards (laughs) but it's this crazy device and it basically it's 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 it will engrave like uh like qr codes and your seed phrase and everything onto a metal plate and it just like and then it'll boom 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 and it's this huge like industrial looking device but it takes a multi-sig and it does it in a way where on the front you have uh, the seed phrase of the device and the private key of the device of the one device or not even the device of the one key and you have three of those but on the other side you've got the map but not the entire map it takes two of those qr codes any combination of the three things to recreate the map so then at this point, you don't have to store a device and a copy of the map, a device and a copy of the map, a device and the copy of the map, because in all of those instances, somebody could pull up your map and see the total amount. Wow, and this then, is and fucking
1: cool. Yeah, we got to like, get
0: one of these. It's like any two of these steel plates, um, if somebody just has one, they have a single key and they have no idea what's in the multisit. They can't even see the balance. I love this idea and so you, any two of these plates in combo you can recreate the map and have access to the full funds
2: wait what is this risking- called yeah we got to find out what this is called it, we will get it in the show yeah. notes and i will be ordering one
0: yeah um uh vulcan uh i think they're partnered uh with vulcan um and they do like seed plates and stuff like that uh I'm so upset with myself for not Vulcan 21. And let me see uh, if the, geez. Anyways, if you go through Vulcan 21 and I believe that they're partnered with the company, I'm just, I'm racking my brain. There's so many like seed. You've got in, so there, many things um, up there. Oh, you yeah. know, like, <laughs> <laughs> so nonetheless, I think what they're doing is really cool. And the, just the idea of basing it around the multi-state and it works beautifully with something like the seed signer, which is like a DIY build it yourself um, signing device. Wait,
2: so how do you get this information into this device in order for it to create that QR you code?
0: Create it, you'd create it with the seed signer. The seed signer would export the information oh, I see. to to this industrial stamp And then you would put in these plates and it would put in all of the information you need on the three plates. And then you would simply just put the plates where you need. And then you could hop, you could literally hop from location to location with your seed signer and just like scan the necessary information and then sign transactions. Yeah.
1: The amount of innovation, man. It's so cool. There's so many. I mean, this is just the beauty of open source innovation is every, there's just this giant hive mind trying to improve this. And for as techy as this episode may have seemed to some people, I like that you've a couple times reiterated you're going to have tremendous optionality if you want to go as techy as possible. But the other, the flip side to this movement forward of innovation is that it's going to make robust solutions so much more accessible and easy than it is today.
0: Yeah, yeah. I found it by the way. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Uh... I'm going to start again with an apology, a Canadian apology. Sorry, I couldn't remember the name of this, but (laughs) Seed Hammer, Seed Hammer. I met Hammer. Oh, I've heard of them. Yeah, I met this guy in Prague, and he had the whole thing there, and it was boom, 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 like doing these plates and everything. And he gave me like a full demo and showed me how it would work and everything. So so cool, Um, you know, and like is you can there's uh, you go to seedhammer.com and they've got like the the video of exactly how it's working and everything it's super cool um what a good idea i remember he said that jameson law was over there talking to him he's like how in the hell did you get the wallet file because it's like a really dense amount of information he's like how did you get it to fit on the back of that plate it doesn't look like a dense enough qr code to do this and he is explaining like the wallet file itself is also a two of three multisig to reestablish, right? Like a two of three pieces can create the
2: wallet file. Cool! Wow. Yeah, yeah, that is cool.
1: <laughs> man, we could keep I'm going. My I'm, pants, I'm, man. I'm barely. Uh, I got so much more I want to ask you, but we'll. Uh, we'll I put drank a this pen entire in carafe
2: here. while we were. Uh talking and I'm
1: going to pee in my pants here in a minute yeah yeah fair sessions um, hand off to you anything else you want to say to close and then hand off to you and your work and I'm, I'm telling you we're already looking forward to the next one because I feel like we just hit the tip of the iceberg today
0: yeah man Seriously. Uh two things first of all thanks for thanks for having you guys Uh this was a lot of fun made my day Uh very excited about uh, this one dropping uh, number two when uh do you know when this will drop like what day it's going to go out
2: uh, should be Sunday Saturday or Sunday. Sunday.
0: Okay, cool. So when it goes out, it will be about a week before I host the first ever Saturday sat market in Calgary. I have a culmination of uh, merchants from not just Calgary, but like around the province and coming in from other provinces. We have 30 plus merchants right now, all accepting Bitcoin, a bunch of farmers with beef, eggs, a whole bunch of stuff like that. We've got artists, we've got apparel, we've got, hardware company. We've got, but like just stuff that you can get. And so I'm, I'm basically trying to, uh, grassroots build a Bitcoin circular economy here. And then we're going to make a blueprint and we're going to help people do it in other cities too. So anybody that sees that Saturday SAP market, there's an event on the orange pill app. There's an event also on meetup.com. Um, we're going to start pumping it out on social media, but even if you're not local, if you can't make it, amplify it because I want to build this thing up. I want to make it a success and I want to show other people how to do it. So that's number one. And number two is I'm super stoked to have you guys on the Christmas show. Let's go. Dude, we win. are
2: stoked to be there.
1: <laughs> Dude, <laughs> Let's go.
0: It's massive. The, the, the people that are, are coming for it are incredible. Can I give you guys a quick breakdown? Please do. Yeah, yeah, please do. Up? Okay. So this is December 22nd. Hold on, uh, while you
1: do
2: this, I'm gonna pee into this carafe.
0: Yes, below. do it. Yep.
1: This is it. By the way, this is a, this is actually happening. This is like a, this is like Foss, but a little more refined. Instead of just going in the chair, he's gonna go straight in the carafe. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> um, okay, so it's gonna start at 5
0: p.m. Eastern time on Friday, December 22nd. This is a marathon. It goes well into the night. It's gonna be five or six hours long. It's crazy. the the uh, The panels are 30 minute panels with tailored guests. Um, I've got a panel on circular economies with Joe Hall, Mike Peterson from Bitcoin Beach and Brian Dement from Orange Pill App. I've got a panel on Fiat is Broken with Larry LePart, Peter St. Ange, and James Lavish. I've got a panel on Bitcoin tools, including privacy, self-custody, no KYC. Francis Pouliot, Vortex is returning from retirement. So if back in the day you watch Vortex, he's back. He's back. Uh, so <laughs> talked about that. And Wicked is joining as well. Uh, we've got a Nostra panel with Walker and Carla, Will from Domus, and Rockstar Dev. We've got Lightning Growth and Tools with Guy Swan, Ben the Carmen from uh, Mutiny Wallet, and uh, Nate Before bacon from uh, Voltage. We've got, of course, UGents for making it as a blue-collar pleb along with Dom, so that's going to be an absolute blast. Uh, we've got Cloud World at its finest with Madex, Harry Suttock, and American Oddle. Oh, that and follows then, us? That's going to be
1: some. Be sticking <laughs> yeah, around with that.
0: <laughs> and, then, and then we've got Lessons from 2023 with uh, Nico from Simply Bitcoin, Nat Brunel, and Tour de Meester. Uh, and then we wrap oh, yeah. it up with the after party, Anders, Pubby, Rick from Crypto Cloaks, Yellow, Sean Harris, Greg Zaj, Rusty, Becca. It's just going to be a big party, and I'm going to drink a whole bunch of whiskey at the end.
1: Banger. Nice. Yeah, it's gonna be. Dom's already saying we need. to We're bringing drinks to the party. It's gonna be oh, that yeah. fine balance, though. I, I'll close with this. The last time we saw you in person, uh, down in LA, we were sipping. I thought really strong old fashions. You were. Oh, ta- yeah. I remember Dude, those standing got me there. Good sessions was talking, and I. It was that moment in the night where I go, I'm gonna have to keep my wits about me because two or even two or three of these could could really spoil the blue collar Bitcoin reputation real fast at this party. <laughs> I spoiled
2: my own (laughs) reputation plenty that night. I don't think we could do
1: that, Dan. Let's be real. You're right.
2: We're immune. Yeah, we can't Uh, be canceled. We got the easy uh, get out of jail free card. We're just a couple of firefighters that get drunk and act like idiots. Yep. (laughs) Sessions,
1: we appreciate you, brother. Thanks so much for a lot of time today.
2: Yeah, thank you. really
0: appreciate it. I would be uh, super stoked to come back anytime. You will be.
1: I I seriously am not even close to getting through my list, so... (laughs) <laughs> We're going to have you again. Don't Great. worry. Awesome.
2: It'll be a five-hour sessions yes. episode. I don't think so. Yeah. Thanks, dude. All right, Ben. Thanks, man. As always, thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this, please leave us a review on your podcast app of choice. If you aren't using Fountain, you should check it out. You can get paid sats to listen to your favorite Bitcoin podcasts. Lastly, if you haven't bought tickets to Bitcoin 2024 in Nashville and you're planning to use code BCB for 10% off tickets.
1: we